Comet in your head. Season two. I love, I love your vibes tonight. My dude. Mm-hmm. You know, on D&D, we're always like, so you guys, how do we play this game? It's like, okay, but how do you podcast? <laughs> do you remember how to podcast? It's been three weeks since we've recorded. <clears throat> do you remember how to be a podcaster? Happy Wednesday, friends, and welcome back to Aquarius Behavior, a best friends podcast. I'm your co-host, Morgan. And I'm your co-host, Samantha. We invite you to hang out with us each Wednesday to take in some chaotic storytelling, low-key learning, and high-quality high audio. audio. That's the app pod promise. Yes, it is. Oh my gosh. This is the first time we're recording we're in back. about three weeks. We're back. We're, we're back. back. We're Hi. back. Did you miss us? Ooh. We missed you. We were so excited <laughs> to be back today. Oh my goodness. Did everyone enjoy the retrograde episodes that we put out? Because, yeah. Wow. Tell us what you thought about that. We tried something and we, we did it. We needed two weeks off. <laughs> We needed a vacation. <laughs> and also wedding season ended. <laughs> wedding season ended. Congratulations, team. Mm. <laughs> um, but we're so I'm just so happy to be here. Me and too. We've been out of the updates for a while. Um Yes. I'm wondering what you're hydrating with, mm. Morgan. Could oh. you please tell me? Yes. So I have an iced water mm -hmm. today. And then I also have a coffee. A coffee. A I got a coffee. A quite coffee. Yeah, I made myself a mocha. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. So uh, Costco, you know, <laughs> one of my favorite places yeah. in the world. Tell me, please. Uh, they have got this delicious hot chocolate. It's a bag of hot chocolate, and I am totally blanking on the name. I'll put a picture on the Instagram. Mike and Jen? Yes. Is it Mike, Mike and, and Jen's Jen? hot chocolate? Yes. Okay, they're cocoa. It is delicious, and it is made locally for us in Duluth, Minnesota, mm -hmm. which makes me love it even more. There's five ingredients. It's very Vegan. simple. It's delicious. And it's so good. And so I, it, it's seasonal. So I finally noticed it in Costco, grabbed a bag, and so I've been making mochas in the morning. I just, yeah, shovel a scoop in there cocoa on the bottom of my cup fill it with my coffee hot coffee do you are you a stirrer or a swirler like mm. do you i stir you're a stirrer. i gotta get down to the bottom get the corners yeah really mm. make sure that i mix all that up otherwise it gets clumpy you can't yeah. have a clumpy mocha no i don't like that so this is this is really nice, mm -hmm. especially because today, the day that we're recording, it is just a gorgeous autumn day outside. And by gorgeous, I mean spooky. It's spooky. It is a gorgeous, spooky October day. It has been cloudy all day. It's been rainy all day. Remus is a little shaky, Sadly, because there's been a lot of thunder. Yeah. So he doesn't like that. It's been dark. It was dark at like 1130 this morning. I looked out the window and was like, oh, mm -hmm. storms are coming. It's a coming. <laughs> the storms are coming. Yep. Yeah. And then the thunder happened and Remus wanted to let us know that he needed to be near our bodies. Hi, sir. I'm giving him pets with my Halloween socks you on his are. back. You oh, are. What a so, sweet boy. Yeah, it's been a good day to just cozy up to a cup of coffee. Hot beverages. Oh, what do you have going on for bevies today? Collectively. 
<clears throat> well, we have a water bottle, water bottle, red bottle, red bottle, red bottle uh, that has the ice completely melted because it might have been from yesterday and I just keep on refilling it. Mm-hmm. And then I also poured um, one of those uh, sparkling ice bottled beverages into a huge, um, what are these called? Um, oh, a big like, tumbler? Yeah, like a tumbler, but like an insulated, an insulated tumbler. That's mm-hmm. the word I was looking for. Um, and I poured ice on ice and it is now melted and it's very cold. And I'm dressed in a sweatshirt and a beanie and I'm wearing very thick socks. It's like today, just the world transition to rainy, autumnal, mm-hmm. spooky, overcast, damp, damp leaves mm-hmm. vibes. Yeah. So there's definitely a change. Mm, yeah. So it's like I'm just chilly and cozy today. Mm-hmm. Well, change in the air. And it's not just the weather because today, the day that we're recording is the first day of Scorpio season. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the sun has changed signs. We are now in Scorpio. Yet again. <laughs> so what does that mean for us? That's the question. I don't know. Can you please tell me? Yeah. Shall we read? I, I Can you read me something? I think it's time for a re- We haven't pulled out our deck in a while, oh, have we? Let's get in the deck. Do you deck. have your tiny astrology book? Yes. Ready? Oh, good. Okay. okay. So let's read a card here from our astrology deck. It's been a while. As you noted, we totally skipped over Libra season. Shout out to the Libras. So sorry, Libras. <laughs> Apparently, something was happening with us. We Apparently. <laughs> we'll get yeah. you next year. What, what were we doing, Morgan, <laughs> during Libra season, uh, September 23rd to October 22nd? Nobody knows. We were, uh, just hopped right over it. I Yeah. Whew, I was busy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Libras, shout out to you all. Catch you next year. Uh, so yeah, it's Scorpio season now. So let's read. Let's take a reading here. Scorpio. Brave, passionate, and loyal, Scorpio is one of the most determined signs of the Zodiac. Scorpios love to get to know you, and they have the most amazing memory of all the signs. They are often met with many difficult life experiences that force them to grow beyond their years. Scorpios connect deeply to the phases of life, death, and rebirth. Represented by the scorpion, they can be fierce. If you cross a Scorpio, prepare to be stung. Well, that was a little spooky. That was really cool. Remus is clamoring I, up on oh, Remus. I'm so right sorry. <laughs> I am torn between I love this weather, but I also hate that it's torturing my puppy. Oh, puppers. We're all going to hang out right here. Thank you for comforting him. My chair is too small and he knows that he can't sit up here with me. I'm going to do this and then we're going to be all set. Yeah, that was a great thunder effect. That was really outstanding. Wow. Yeah, that was very cool. Morgan. I hope our recording picked that up. Yeah, that me too. I, all right, bud. Sam, what does your tiny astrology book have to say about let me, Scorpio? Let me tell you about what uh, my teeny tiny Scorpio <laughs> bit is. Um, This is from our the A Little Introduction to the Stars, Planets, and Signs tiny astrology book. It's funny because it's a little book. It's, literally. It's literally very tiny. I'd call this like a three by three. A three by three. Small three by three. All right, Scorpio. Uh, Sun sign dates October 23rd through November 21st. 
Planet, Mars. Great. Mm-hmm. Element, water. Modality, fixed. Body part, genitals. Typical. <sighs> Libras was kidneys. So shout out to the Libras. That was one thing that I did need to look up. So kidneys were for Libras. Okay. All right. Here's Scorpio. It's so spooky in the pod lounge right now. I love it. It's so thundery. Okay, here we go. Passionate, dark, and secretive. Scorpio is the resident goth of the Zodiac. If something is hidden, they want to know about it. But if they have something hidden, it is likely to be lost to history. (laughs) The most intense sign in the Zodiac. Scorpio doesn't love, they desire. They don't own, they possess. They don't think, they scheme. Small talk and pettiness are just some of Scorpio's biggest pet peeves. If you want to impress them, you'll have to bring them the proverbial head of a saint on a silver platter. If you're a hero or villain in a Victorian novel, this is all great. But most of us aren't. And, as such, Scorpio's intense, passionate nature can be overwhelming for some. The moon in Scorpio, for instance, is in its fall because that many emotions is just a bit much to handle. However, darkness lies within everything, and there is truly no better guide to darkness than a Scorpio. Hello, Scorpio. Wow. Come through. Drama. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is some deep feelings right there. I do I just, know a few Scorpios. I just love that part the they don't own, they possess. They don't think, they scheme. They don't love, they desire. <laughs> It's like the beginning of like like a trailer, like a trailer for a movie. <laughs> for a vampire movie, for sure. <laughs> Outstanding. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Scorpio's intense, man. Scorpio's. It is intense. I know yeah. a few Scorpios. I, myself, as we've discussed earlier, am a double Scorpio. Double Scorpio. Scorpio is my moon and my rising sign. Mm-hmm. So I relate a lot to Scorpio. I'm feeling powerful right now. I am feeling a lot of intensity in my body. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling wired. Like I'm just I'm like revving to go. Yeah. Which you and I discussed earlier today. And I'm like, let's do it, man. Like, like wedding season's over. Boom. I'm fucking ready. Do I'm it. I'm ready to go. Oh, my gosh. Morgan, is this an explicit episode? It is an explicit. It is an explicit episode. <laughs> Because it is we, technically book nook. We are ready yes. to go. Oh my goodness. It is so true. <sighs> Wedding season is over. Let's fucking yes. go. Fucking go. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like very much relating to this. And this <sighs> is I, I I'm feeling Scorpio energy right now. I'm Goth feeling power. Intensity power. and well, okay. And you and I were talking about this earlier that I was just revisited with memories of some of my uh, teenage emo years. Oh, yeah. And just remembered some music 
the that, soundtrack of your emo years yeah. just struck upon you this past weekend. And they were light. It was light emo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like some some boys like girls, a little cartel, Ooh. some quiet drive, like a little whiny, mm-hmm. but <laughs> still good. <laughs> but talent. <laughs> but talent. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I just... I don't know. That was wild that that all happened because I have not uh, like those memories haven't resurfaced for me in years and years and years. So what a delight to just all of a sudden be flooded with memories of like 15 plus years ago. And uh, oh, that was delightful. When music from your yester past comes at you unexpectedly and it opens up Mm -hmm. a whole capsule of yourself that's like that part of my life is insulated to just a few years. It was like we went in, we went in real hard, and then we got out. And so it's like very bookended. And so when music like that comes on and it's just like, hey, remember who you were and all of the feelings that you had and also how good are these musics and let's dance. So many feelings. Ugh. Outstanding. So many whiny lyrics. Yeah. Oh my God. I yeah. love it. Just like the, the oh. Scorpio powerfulness. Mm. And I was noticing just how gorgeous the moon was this past weekend. <gasps> it just, all of the cool Beautiful. things that were happening. It was just awesome. Yes. We've been waxing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. We've been a waxing crescent. We have been a waxing crescent. And I knew that. <laughs> I looked at it and said, Look at that waxing crescent. I learned that on AbPod. Mm. <laughs> yep. We got to explain to somebody this weekend what waxing crescent meant. Oh, it's a learning podcast. Yeah. And then we had to also explain what lit, lit. meant. It uh, is 42% lit. <laughs> it's lit. Um, yeah. The fact that just means illuminated, mm-hmm. but we think it's fun to make it a party term. But it's lit. But it's lit. Yeah. It's lit. yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I'm looking forward mm. to the Scorpio season. Yeah. It's... I have not lived Scorpio season before with the knowledge that I am a double Scorpio. That's right. So You've... I'm looking at it a little differently. Did you I have find out? Perspective Hold on. Today. I need to look. I need to look at the dates. Did you find out about your double Scorpio power after Scorpio season was over last year? Because we started yeah. we started podcasting. We started podcasting with Sagittarius is November 20th. Mm-hmm. No, we gotta rewind. That's next month, everyone. Yep, that's next month. Yeah. So, yep, it was because it was an episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, wow. it was an episode we did earlier this year where we talked about our sun, moon, and rising signs. Wow. So I have never known that before. New knowledge for this new time. Yeah. And uh, hmm. turns out that is pretty prevalent. It makes sense. Because I think I would describe myself as an intense person Mm -hmm. uh, just all around, whatever it is. There's just an intensity here. Some people like it. Some people don't. There's a passion. (laughs) I am a flavor. I'm not for everybody. There's a fire. Yeah. Just everything I do. Mm -hmm. Everything is very big. I feel everything very big. I do things very big. It's all big. <laughs> a specific flavor, if you will. It is. I am indeed a specific flavor. <laughs> and I recognize that. And, and we welcome that on this podcast. It makes sense. It, <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. Like knowing this. And then mm-hmm. there's been people who know a little bit more about astrology than I do. Mm-hmm. And I've told them my signs and they just go, oh, wow. 
double Scorpio, huh? I'm like, totally. <laughs> I know, right? Wild, right? With an Aquarius? What's going on? <laughs> but what is it? It's just like, <laughs> whoa, my emotions. <laughs> Everything all at once. Everywhere. <laughs> what a time. So I'm looking forward to that. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I've never been more excited to be going into a season. It's just such a flavor change. Like from, I mean, again, we have now bookended wedding season. Congratulations, everyone. We, I now have been looking forward to Mm -hmm. yell about Northanger Abbey because this is Book Nook. Those of you who are here for Book Nook, don't worry. It's still happening. I have been waiting to yell about the second half of this book for three weeks because I knew that my October was going to get real busy. And so I listened to it. I listened to it three weeks ago. And so then the fun for me was remembering my feelings from three weeks ago and putting them all together. So because there's like some very specific, like lovely, spooky, like Mm -hmm. stormy feeling vibes. And it's just like the perfect day for us to be gathering, jumping back on the podcasting saddle, if you will, Mm -hmm. and like getting back into it. I feel a little bit rusty. And also, I'm just excited mm-hmm. for, like, the cusp, the jumping off point of this uh, next phase of the podcast. Me too. Ugh. And the so. thunder just keeps rumbling outside, which is just amazing. Well, without further ado. Should we just... Shall we get into it? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So much thunder. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I hope you can, like... Pump that up. Yeah, turn up in the, the editing. Oh, editing turn Samantha. Up the thunder setting. <laughs> turn the thunder to ten. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So mm. let's get into it. Book Nook. It's Book Nook. If you are joining us for the first time, Book Nook is a segment that we do on the fourth Wednesday of every month and it's basically our little book club so this year samantha and i have been reading through jane austen's novels we are going in order of publication and so we are currently discussing northanger abbey which is the fifth book we are reading and new for both of us yeah we knew nothing about this novel nothing whatsoever so (laughs) if you're just tuning in Feel free to keep listening, but if you want a little bit more context, go listen to Book Nook Northanger Abbey Part 1, and you'll get the first half of the book. So today we're going to be discussing the second half of the book and talking through our feelings. It's also an explicit episode, so normally we don't swear, we keep things PG, mm-hmm. uh, but on this episode we have to because... I. There's just Jane Austen and the fuckery of the Regency oh era. Oh my gosh, the the absolute shenanigans. I can't. Mm-mm. I can't. And so my potty mouth comes out. <clears throat> so that's what's happening. Oh boy, Samantha. So you listened to this about Ooh. three weeks ago. Yes, I cool. did. I listened to it about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember the main plot points and the gasps mm-hmm. that I had throughout the second half of the book. Great. So would you like to be... A little bit more field trip leader 
Um, and I can jump in with stuff that I've um, dog-eared. I love How that. How does that feel? Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I listened to this part this morning. Hell yeah. While I laid in bed and cuddled with my dog. Oh, that's so nice. And listened to the rain and the thunder, which was, again, very appropriate. And uh, because, you know, things get a little spooky. Things get spooky. Oh, we did it. Where we leave, where we left off, right? Mm-hmm. Our heroine Catherine, Catherine Moreland, had just been invited to Northanger Abbey. It is a real place. It is a real place. It's actually a place until until now. It's just been rumors. Yeah. Did they even mention it in the first half of the book? I don't recall. <sighs> Henry yeah. may have said at one point, but I no. Yeah. So this is the home of the Tilneys, right? So we're talking Henry who is Catherine's crush right now, and his sister Eleanor, who is Catherine's new best friend that she met in Bath. She's done it. She has friended Mm. the lady of her crush. Yep, They're now friends. They both love reading. Mm -hmm. Everybody's a book nerd and talking about books, and they all like spooky novels. Everyone's into the gothic horror novels. That's all the rage right now with the young folk. All the rage. So she is being invited now to their home, which is Northanger Abbey. And Catherine's first impression is, oh, my gosh, this is going to be some sort of magical adventure in this old abbey. She's imagining it being really old and just this crumbled landscape. And, you know, she's thinking of of plots and places from these gothic novels that she's read and imagining there's going to be some mystery going on there and there's going to be hidden treasures and ghosts and mystery and all of these things her her imagination is just running away at this point she's like thinking about all of the different scenarios she may find herself in and all of this like there's a part that i put in here um where henry is talking about uh, all of the things that she could encounter at Northanger Abbey. And he's just telling her this spooky story about how like, oh, then you could go through this hall and see this thing. And she's just like, oh, Henry, oh my gosh, stop, but don't stop, keep going. And they're just telling each other just the, spook- the spookiness that like could happen at Northanger Abbey. Yeah. And Henry is kind of like, he thinks it's a little funny, right? Because yes. this is his home and he... So he's just looking at it from the point of like, this is where I grew up. Like, no, it's not like that. And of course she gets there. Is it spooky? No. Not not at all. Not at all. Actually. Her like, room's just kind of normal. <laughs> it's super normal. The, the Tilney's dad, he's a general. So he has, General Tilney has completely renovated this abbey so it's like it's a very livable place it's super normal yes it's big it's grand like i imagined it being yeah a wealthy looking place like these people obviously have lots of money filled with antiques absolutely Mm -hmm. but nothing like it's not dirty there's nothing spooky going on, There's really. There's not, like, creaking and cobwebs no. in the night and, like... No. So the the comedy here of this is that there's nothing truly frightening about this place or threatening about Northanger Abbey. And yet, somehow, Catherine still, as we are, like, going along with the novel and this narration, 
Catherine still manages to use her imagination to turn this into some fantastic adventure, you know? And so she kind of makes up this plot right in her head about, well, what if General Tilney actually murdered his wife? (gasps) What? Because Henry and Eleanor's mother passed away Mm -hmm. years ago. And Catherine finds this out. And her yep. imagination starts running a little bit wild. Yes. There's no evidence here whatsoever. She just decides that <laughs> maybe this ordinary trip to these people's home is actually some sort of mystery that she's been called to solve. And so now <laughs> we're going along here. And so let me tell you, this gets embarrassing. It gets fucking embarrassing. Yeah. I have two bits to read once you're once you're done explaining to us why this part is so silly and embarrassing. Yes. yes. So so this is all happening, but also in the midst of this, there's the kind of I think the normal uh we we so okay. I gotta back up here. All right. So of course we've read a lot of Austin, right? We've read four of her novels, so we know that Austin is all about social shenanigans, okay? So we have this really silly plot going on with this imaginative heroine who's really putting herself in the place of a heroine. (laughs) Like, (laughs) again, she just decides that there is some mystery that she needs to solve. And, like, she is going to save everybody here and uh, there's really nothing going on. And so that's all happening. But then also there is the reality of there are all of these young people who are mingling. There's romances happening. So we mm-hmm. do get that typical Austin flavor um, and all of those social scenes that we're used to reading. So that's all happening. And now that she is at Northanger Abbey, we're now getting that in the form of letters. Long letters. Oh, I love letters. Mm. We oh, love letters. We love letters yep. in the Regency era. How else would mm-hmm. we know what's happening? How else? And so that's also like now we're starting to get that uh, very kind of typical style. Austin style is like now we're learning information secondhand through letters. Mm-hmm. So we're starting, like I said, last uh, recording this hasn't read like an Austin novel to me. And so, which has been fun Mm -hmm. and interesting uh, because I'm not getting as much as her voice as I'm used to. Um, But now in the second half is when I I really was starting like it was like, okay, now we get the letters and it was just a little bit more familiar. And I think too, because the first half was a lot of everybody meeting, uh, the second half was really we got to see more of the courtships yes. and how the courtships, some of them faltered mm-hmm. and um, some of them flourished. Some of them flourished. Well, I think that, too, it's good that you point that out, that the beginning of the book, there was a lot that we had to go through because we find out near the end of the book that things that happened at the beginning of the book as the reader, I wanted to go back and read the first half of the book again because... Turns out there were some moments that were happening and us not standing and hearing the conversation that was Mm -hmm. happening across the room 
actually was pertinent to things that, you know, mm-hmm. occurred throughout the second half of the book. Yeah. So it's with that um, Austin flavor, we don't normally have a, oh, this whole time this storyline was happening and we, the reader, saw these conversations happening. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are more like it happened away or it happened through a letter or it happened. And so this was mm-hmm. more um, immersive, I would say. This we were more immersed in the storyline, like Catherine is trying to do with herself at Northanger Abbey. Yes. Keep going, Morgan. <laughs> oh my gosh, her imagination. Oh, I just loved it. Well, the part that I wanted, <clears throat> the part that I wanted to read. Yes, because this is when she gets to Northanger Abbey, right? Mm. And I just need to read two paragraphs. Uh, she is exploring her room the first night that she is in her own room and she's trying to infer information about what has happened in this room. She's looking for clues and she's noticing that this room is actually very similar to the room that Henry was describing in the story. And she actually notices that across the way there is a cabinet with a lock very similar to what Henry was talking about in the story and so then she gets all up in her head about this whole thing oh my goodness is it just a coincidence or is it meant to be is it meant to be Mm. okay so this part i just love i just loved this visual it says Catherine's heart beat quick but her courage did not fail her with a cheek flushed by hope and an eye straining with curiosity her fingers grasped the handle of a drawer and drew it forth It was entirely empty. With less alarm and greater eagerness, she seized a second, a third, and a fourth. Each was equally empty. Not one was left unsearched, and not one was anything found. Well read in the art of concealing a treasure, the possibility of false linings to the drawer did not escape her, and she felt round each with an anxious and acuteness in vain. The place in the middle alone remained now unexplored. And though she had never from the first had the smallest idea of finding anything in any part of the cabinet and was not in the least disappointed at her ill success thus far, it would be foolish not to examine it thoroughly while she was about it. It was some time, however, before she could unfasten the door, the same difficulty occurring in the management of this inner lock as that of the outer. But at length it did open, and not in vain, As hitherto was her search, her quick eyes directly fell on a roll of paper pushed back into the further part of the cavity, apparently for concealment, and her feelings in that moment were indescribable. Her heart fluttered, her knees trembled, her cheeks grew pale. She seized with an unsteady hand the precious manuscript, for half a glance sufficed to ascertain written characters, and while she acknowledged with awful sensations This striking exemplification of what Henry had foretold resolved instantly to peruse every line before she attempted to rest. The dimness of the light of her candle emitted made her turn it with alarm, but there was no danger of a sudden extinction. It had yet some hours to burn. She goes on, Morgan, and she realizes 
that this list that she's found is like a laundry list of one of the servants. And so mm-hmm. she was all stinking stoked to pull this laundry list out. <sighs> she fumbles with the lock for a while. And then in the next like page or two, she says, why the lock should have been so difficult to open, however, was still something remarkable, for she could now manage them with perfect ease. In this, there was surely something mysterious, and she indulged in the flattering suggestion for half a minute, till the possibility of the doors having been at first unlocked, and then of being herself its fastener, darted into her head and cost her another blush. (laughs) Her looking, I remember feeling like this when I was a young adult reading like Harry Potter for the first time or Twilight for the first time and just being like, oh, everything is Hogwarts or everything is vampires or everything is whatever the vibe is. So I really identified with Catherine in these moments of like, well, there's no phone, there's no internet, there's no TV, there's no easily distractibles. Um, Let's just get really curious about the possibility of treasure and Mm -hmm. mystery. I just I just love that. I loved this whole beginning part of us being introduced to this very bland, um, you know, nicely updated, but bland. There's not a lot of special spice creeping around all the walls or like, you know, suits of armor in the hallways or, you know, the things that she was expecting to see. And so I love just her trying to, you know, eke out every little bit of magic she can or intrigue she can in these moments. Hey, Abpod listeners, hope you're feeling groovy. And this episode is bringing a slice of nice to your day. Did you know you could follow AquariusBehavior.pod on Instagram to see weekly episode updates and behind the scenes podcast pictures? Yeah, it's true. You can also email the show at AquariusBehavior.pod at gmail.com to share your friendship stories or suggest a segment. Stay hydrated, buddies. Now on with the show. And the fact that she falls asleep because she's so excited and her candle burns out is just, it's very funny. That whole, that whole sequence that Jane does is just mm-hmm. very, it's very sweet. It's very sweet and innocent of her. Oh, I just, I just loved Catherine's response or reactions exploring Northanger. Oh my gosh. Okay. Her snooping got invasive. <laughs> <laughs> Let's discuss. I agree. It starts very cute. And... I was enchanted. Then it gets invasive. Yes. And I'm like, girl, you're picking locks. Like, what are you doing? This is the, I think about somebody coming to my home. Like, I have a guest over and they're down in my basement, like going through the tubs I have in my basement and like, what's in here? Oh my gosh, these are her holiday decorations. It's your like, inventory for your decorations. Yeah, there must be something sinister in here. Yeah. Uh, weird. Like, this is the person who's going through your medicine cabinet and looking at all of your prescription pills. Um, <laughs> Catherine, what are you doing? It's girl. She, it's like she realizes that she goes too far. She does. And then, yes. it, well, and the, yeah. And the, so it does go too far mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when she mm-hmm. finds herself in Henry's mother's room. Yeah. And Henry walks in on her snooping through his deceased mother's room and that's when she finally has to like come clean and be honest about what is going on okay this was this was one because my uh audiobook narrator did such a good job reading this part 
and in a few moments it gave Henry to her view. Mr. Tilney, she exclaimed in a voice of more than common astonishment. He looked astonished too. Good God, she continued, not attending to his address. How came you here? How came you up the staircase? How came I up the staircase? He replied, greatly surprised. Because it is my nearest way to the stable yard and to my own chamber. And why should I not come up it? Catherine recollected herself, blushed deeply, and could say no more. He seemed to be looking at her countenance for the explanation of which her lips did not afford. She moved towards the gallery. And may I not, in my turn, said he, as he pushed back the folding doors, ask how you came here. This passage is at least as extraordinary a road to the breakfast parlor as to your apartment, as that staircase can be from the stables to mine. I have been, said Catherine, looking down, to see your mother's room. My mother's room? Is there anything extraordinary to be seen there? No, nothing at all. I thought you did not mean to come back till tomorrow. I did not expect to be able to return sooner. When I went away, but three hours ago, I had the pleasure of finding nothing to detain me. You look pale. I am afraid I alarmed you by running so fast up those stairs. Perhaps you did not know. You were not aware of their leading from the offices in common use. No, I was not. You have had a very fine day for your ride. Very. And does Eleanor leave you to find your way into all of the rooms in the house by yourself? Oh, no. She showed me over the greatest part on Sunday, and we were coming here to these rooms, but only, dropping her voice, your father was with us. And that prevented you, said Henry, earnestly regarding her. Have you looked into all of the rooms in that passage? No, I only wanted to see. Is it, is not it very late? I must go and dress. It's only a quarter past four, showing his watch, and you are not now in bath. No theater, no rooms to prepare for. Half an hour at Northanger must be enough. She's like, okay, I need to leave. I need to go get ready for dinner. Um, the, and he's like, Catherine, this isn't bath. You don't need to go anywhere. Let's let's just keep yeah. on noticing that um, I have caught you in the corridor of my mother's room and... We are both embarrassed. Yeah, you've gone oh, too far. She's gone way too you've far. You've gone too far. And it's it's awkward because they you know, they both have been bonding or over these spooky stories, mm -hmm. right? And so here now is the moment when I imagine Henry is looking at Catherine and going, "Oh, so like this this wasn't just like creative fun friendship talk there's something in your brain that's going on here <laughs> like this is a weird moment for me mm -hmm. like we're on different levels of creepy yeah. spookiness right and I, now and i'm thinking like oh do i really know this person and awkward huh she wanted to melt out of her skin mm. she wanted to melt out of her skin in that moment yeah Ugh. you just made it personal and mm. now it's weird yeah. And now it's weird. Yeah. And then pretty quickly after that, she leaves and like the whole vacation kind of falls apart. And uh, and she's just told that she's going to leave. Yeah. And that's all. Yeah. Eleanor's like, hey, mm -hmm. so P.S. Um, so she what runs out of that corridor and then runs into Eleanor somehow. 
through some through some circumstances. And Eleanor's like, hey, my dad decided, you know, how my dad's been way cool to you these last uh, couple days. And we've actually been touring the house and we've been uh, looking at all the rooms and learning about all the things. Well, now he's just super over you and you need to go home mm-hmm. and it's not going to be tomorrow like you think. It's going to be today and yep. it's going to be later today. And I don't have a reason for you. Mm-hmm. Bye. And so Catherine is yeah. like unceremoniously packed up and sent back to who is it the allen's house is that there mr uh, and mrs allen yes yeah or wherever her home is first read through the book bum, 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 bum. no i think she actually goes home home she goes home home yeah they do actually send her home home okay yep yeah, she really does go home. So I uh, I have a passage. So on page yes. 202, okay. this is when she's coming home. And I have to say, so reading through this. So I'm on page 202. This <gasps> book has 220 pages on it. So we are very near the end, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here listening to this audiobook this morning just thinking, what the hell? Like we have two chapters to wrap up this book. And no one has gotten married. No one's falling in love. Like, this is such a bummer right now. Like, she's returning home. She's been sent home from her vacation Mm -hmm. for poor behavior. And this is really embarrassing. And I'm feeling sad right now. I'm feeling a little confused, uh, just not liking it. And then, of course, our narrator pops in. And just says all the things that I have been thinking. And I'm like, oh, good. I'm glad at least we're on the same page. And we all agree that this is just fucking embarrassing. We're all having a tough time here. (sighs) Give me it. No one's having fun. (laughs) So here's what the narrator has to say. A heroine returning at the close of her career to her native village in all the triumph of recovered reputation and all the dignity of a contest with a long train of noble relations in their several phantoms, and three waiting maids in a traveling chase and four behind her, is an event on which the pen of the contriver may well delight to dwell. It gives credit to every conclusion, and the author must share in the glory she so liberally bestows. But my affair is widely different. I bring back my heroine to her home in solitude and disgrace, and no sweet elation of spirits can lead me into minuteness. A heroine in a hack post chaise <laughs> is such a blow upon sentiment as no attempt at grandeur or pathos can withstand. Swiftly, therefore, shall her postboy drive through the village amid the gaze of Sunday groups, and speedy shall be her descent from it. Ugh. Well, that's fun. And um, <clears throat> awkward. <laughs> it's just really rough. Like, because during this time, she's also found out that uh, her brother John and Isabella are not going to be getting married. And mm-hmm. shock of the century, Isabella is in love with um, 
Henry's older brother, Frederick. Frederick. Thank you. Frederick yes. Tilney. So yes. through the letters that we receive, we also find out that. So it's like her brother. She now no longer has her best, her other best friend. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of all of Catherine's storylines kind of ending on a downbeat. At oh, this my gosh. Point. Which was also heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that because that happened just yeah. in the previous chapter. It's like 170s, 180s are the pages. Yes. And I just um, <sighs> dog-eared a couple of them because we don't I really need too. to like go through it. But just um how how rude everyone mm-hmm. was um how okay wait i do ne- i do need to read one part and i, I need to find should. it hold on yes cuz everything happens so quickly yeah. so it's it, it's chapter 27 in our book a part 2 it's hard because some places uh, if you're like looking on the internet or you're following some other book groups, uh, some people will actually go by the chapters and the volume. So we have editions where there's no volumes. They've just put all of the chapters together into one novel. And so we are talking about chapter 27. If you're looking or have a volume where, or excuse me, you have an edition where there are volumes, it may be different. Um, but in chapter 27, it starts off with a letter that Catherine is reading uh, from, is it not Eleanor? It's Isabella. Isabella thank yeah. you. Uh, from Isabella. And yes. that's where she's saying, hey, um, after you left, you know, Frederick was still really flirting with me and then it got annoying. And so I'm not really into him. And um, I know that that kind of caused me and James to drift. And I'm sorry about that. Maybe you could apologize to him for me. Yes. And, you know, no hard feelings. It was just all a really weird situation. Ha ha ha. Um, but that's not how we saw it. Right. We saw it as Isabella was really flirting with James, who is Catherine's brother. It was like people were talking about them to the point where James was going as far to actually ask Catherine to marry him. And it was going to be a thing. And then Frederick comes back and he's a captain. So we've got Captain Frederick Tilney. And then Catherine starts flirting with him. So she makes her letter sound like it was all Frederick. And he just was coming after me. Isabella flirting with him. Yes, But yes, Isabella Mm -hmm was flirting with Frederick. Yeah. That's how we saw it. And it was so... Well, and what I loved, um, it was right after chapter 18. Uh, This is when uh, Catherine and uh, Henry Tilney are arguing about the status of flirting and what constitutes this flirting. Oh, yeah, And I loved this part, okay? (laughs) This was fabulous. So we're jumping back. Okay. She says, um, she has been in love with him ever since they first met. And while my father's consent was uncertain, she fretted herself almost into a fever. You know she must be attached to him. I understand. She is in love with James and flirts with Frederick. Oh, no, not flirts. A woman in love with one man cannot flirt with another. It is probable that she she will neither love so well nor flirt so well as she might do so it might do either singly. The gentlemen must each give up a little. After a short pause, Catherine resumed with, Then you do not believe Isabella so very much attached to my brother? I can have no opinion on that subject. But what can your brother mean if he knows her engagement? What can he mean by his behavior? 
You are a very close questioner. Am I? I only ask what I want to be told. But do you only ask what I can be expect to tell? Yes, I think so. For you must know your brother's heart. My brother's heart, as you term it, on the present occasion. I assume, I assure you, I can only guess at. Well, well, nay, it's not guesswork. He goes on and on. But like, I just love that they're talking about how can you be in love with someone and flirt with someone else? Is this all a um, choice of participation on either side? And can you be flirted with if you are not accepting of flirting? Because it kind of sounded like um, Catherine was making excuses for Isabella, like, oh, she was just, you know, around and, you know, just being flirted at. But she means nothing by it. So Mm -hmm. the full circle that we come through in this in Isabella's letter being like, oh, it just happened to me when we just saw all of the participation through Catherine and Henry Tilney's eyes. Mm -hmm. Shenanigans. Yeah, we noticed all of that. We found our Regency era fuck girl. um, Hello. (laughs) Turns out it wasn't a Regency era fuck boy. No. We got a fuck girl. Yeah. Just right up in there. For real, I think our first one. (sighs) Isabella. Yeah. What a lush. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my. She just went for it. She's like, no. She did. Alley oop. She did. <laughs> uh, and so I, there was just this heartbreaking moment for me mm-hmm. uh, when I was listening to chapter 27, and it was after Isabella's letter is read, and then Catherine is, you know, having her last couple moments here. Mm-hmm. Such a strain of shallow artifice could not impose even upon Catherine. Its inconsistencies, contradictions, and falsehoods struck her from the very first. She was ashamed of Isabella and ashamed of having ever loved her. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Oh, like, ashamed. what a heartbreak. Oh. I mean, and that's, I think, what is so interesting is like, so this book, I find that in most cases in Austen's novels, right, we have a serious heartbreak from a fuckboy, yeah. right? And then... Someone shatters the world yes. and hurts everyone that they love. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what really scars our our protagonist. And here in Northanger Abbey, um, this is a bestie novel. Like, the boys are there. They're around. But really, it's the ladies. Yeah. It's Eleanor, Isabella, and Catherine. And it's their friendship it's their lady love right and so that's like so truly heartbreaking for me the fact that she just gets heartbroken and totally smashed by a bestie yeah like that there's that's just like a special different kind of heartbreak and in the (sighs) regency era too breaking up with a bestie was Mm. breaking up with a bestie like bye we're gonna go live in the separate towns we're not gonna have any reason to Mm -hmm. write each other or keep track of each other we're never gonna make an effort to see each other again it's essentially blowing a friend to the wind yeah and someone too that she neglect she thought was going to be her Mm sister-in-law like there was just there was a lot there was some excitement on the line there yes and and that was ooh that was intense that was intense and so that just hit me. That made me hurt. That made me hurt. Yeah, that was really hard. 
just so confused at why she's being kicked out of Northanger. Like, did she do something wrong? Did Obviously Henry? You did. <laughs> like, I'm did... sorry. Are you confused, Catherine? Come on. <laughs> but she's like, oh, is Henry so mad at me that he's kicking me out, or is there a different reason? Yeah. No, it's because you were weird. You were weird, and you were snooping. What the heck? <laughs> but it's also because um. What's his face? John Thorpe told the general. Yeah, told the general that um, Catherine's family was super rich and bougie. And then the general found out that they actually weren't. And so he's like, well, she just needs to go then. Drama. And so he sent her home. Yep. <laughs> Bye. And turns out he's a little bit of a douche that way. Yeah, yeah the general's a big... Kind of cares about money. And, and what's the part... He's a snob. Where um they go to um the... uh John Thorpe's house. No, Henry Tilney's house. Sorry, they're these characters, let me tell you what. So... There's so many. Yeah, they go to his house and the general sits down to have dinner and he just like hates dinner and thinks dinner is so fucking stupid and like everything is just not great. And every experience that Catherine had with him, like at Northanger Abbey, like his table was laden with, you know, delightfulness Mm -hmm. and his son like tried so hard to make it nice. And the general's just very judgmental and went home early and like didn't give a shit. It was just very withholding. Mm-hmm. Just we see a lot of withholding behavior from the general uh, in the second half of this book. And it's very interesting. It's very interesting yes. to see. It is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And how, yeah, his, you know, but his children don't have that opinion. And so there is just something about their dad that's just snobbish. Yeah. And he really is you know the epitome of the snobby rich powerful guy it explains his behavior at the beginning of the second half of this book where he's taking Catherine around and showing her all of the treasures and all of the trinkets and all of the amazing things thinking that her family is all influential and everything when really in Mm -hmm. fact her her wealth was misrepresented to the general early on in the book correct yeah Yes, so much snobbery. So much snobbery. It is fucking snobby shenanigans. Gosh. So that's that's where we are. And Mm. I'm thinking, oh my God, is this just the end of the book? I mean, what's going to happen? Are we just having the sad, depressed end to the book? Like, it's the story of this girl's first outing into the world and she totally fails like the stakes could never have been lower and still and also high and so now <laughs> she's coming home friendless totally disgraced like she oh she doesn't have a husband no is she gonna get another opportunity is anyone ever gonna invite her out again probably not no so uh here we are just the end and i'm thinking well, gosh, no one's getting married. Uh, everyone's broken up. It's all sad. It's total failure overall. Uh, but no, no, literally the last paragraph, <laughs> the last <laughs> paragraph of the novel, we fit in a wedding. Yeah, we sure and <laughs> just really quick, really quick, the last, I should say the last two pages, mm-hmm. Eleanor gets married. Okay, so really quick. Eleanor gets married. There's a letter that goes out. We're we're informed. And then in the last paragraph, the event which it authorized soon followed. Henry and Catherine were married. The bells rang and everybody smiled. 
And as this took place within a 12th month from the first day of their meeting, it will not appear, after all the dreadful delays occasioned by the general's cruelty, (laughs) that they were essentially hurt by it. Look at that. And then there they are. (laughs) And they get married and it's fine. They're 26 and 18. Oh, my goodness. Precious. So we end on a good note. Yeah, we sure Um, do. But it is, it is a ride, I will say. And the narration continues, which I learned a uh, term for. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so this type of narrator, and as I said in part one, the narration here reminds me so much of Rocky Horror Picture Show, which if you haven't seen, um, it is a stage musical that was made into a movie 1970s, -hmm. late 1970s. And um, there is a narrator in it who just like pops up and he's just like totally isolated in his own room. Just pops up every now and then to give his commentary. So, That reminds me so much of the narrator in this book, and it's a very different voice than we've had in previous Austin novels. So that's what really stands out to me in this book. So that type of narration is referred to as an intrusive narrator. Oh, I love that. Yes. Oh, I love that. They're like, hey, beep, beep, I have something to say. Correct. (gasps) Oh, fabulous. So an intrusive narrator will interrupt the story with commentary. Sometimes that commentary is relevant to what they're talking about. And sometimes it's a tangent. (laughs) And they're just interrupting the story for an important announcement. (laughs) And so this was I'm here for that. I love that. Yeah. And this was, I guess, a a common practice in 18th and 19th century literature. So this was, again, like probably a pretty common thing with Gothic novels at the time. So that's just another element <gasps> wow. of this book. Yeah. Very cool. That was really a play was really like playing off of books of the time. I love I love. Yeah, I loved hearing Jane's narration voice. The mm-hmm. the quote you pulled through there is a perfect example of just, yes, here I am, the author, doing something different. And I'm so aware of it, reader. Let's see how this all lands together. It just was um a strong it was a strong storytelling tool mm-hmm. that we don't see in any of her other books. I mean, we haven't read Persuasion yet. But we don't get a lot of this, hey, audience, look at all of this that's happening and mm-hmm. look where we are now and look at all that's happened up until this point. Yeah. What will happen next? Yeah. It's like having this self-aware narrator <laughs> who is, in fact, their own character, uh, which is funny. But they're also not a character in the novel. Like, it's not that first person narration. Uh, it's it's more of this omnipotent. Yes. <laughs> like narrator who is their own character in the book so that that was really fun for me and I kept noticing that and that's why I had to look it up because I'm thinking what like what is this I don't understand because it it is kind of third person but not really because this narrator does have a voice like their own voice and so that's what's really weird and also it wasn't quite third person because it seemed like to me at least like some of the characters 
were obstructed. Like, I feel like with a third person, um, it's a little bit more even of a narration. Like, that's just mm-hmm. we're there to just tell the story and, like, our observations. But with the narration in this novel, like, we were getting entire scenes, but it just wasn't as detailed because it seemed like the narrator just focused on what they thought was important, even though there were other things happening with characters that I felt like I was longing to know more about. The book could have been another 50 to 80 pages easily just from a character development point of view. Mm -hmm. More um, of the secret. I just always want more. This book makes me want more of it (laughs) It because it is so (laughs) short and like going through it. It happens so fast. Each page, it's just like plot point, plot point, Mm -hmm. different scene, different scene. And it's it felt like we raced through it and I didn't want it to stop. That's that's how I felt. It just kept on happening. And the lessons that Kath, she just learned some lessons real quickly. She she learns about love and embarrassment and compromise very quickly Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the end of this book. And also just the big misunderstanding of being represented as someone completely different or being treated as someone completely different than who she was Mm -hmm. and that uncomfortableness of it, of what other people's perceptions of her were put onto her. It was just, yeah, it's just such an interesting character development for her it was we don't see that in other in the other books it is so much Mm -hmm. more love romantic story arc you know still the secrets and the letters and what have you but this was it felt so much more intimate that's the word i'm looking for yeah it was more intimate yeah and and for me the the narration style here it added a little bit of the veil of mystery to Mm. it Um, because of the way it chose to focus on certain characters or because we weren't always just in Catherine's mind and we didn't delve as deeply into that. You know, it wasn't first person. It wasn't all third person. Didn't feel like that to me. And so that also just added, yeah, it added to that mystery. Like I was left wanting. I, you know, didn't feel like I knew everything about everyone. And there was so much mystery to the very end. Oh, true. Um, yes. So that really added for me a little bit to that, you know, uncomfortable feel of like reading a horror novel where I, too, as the reader was left thinking like, yeah, is there something going on? Like, like what? is Catherine right? Yeah. I mean, because I don't know. And I haven't heard much about them either. And that is kind of mysterious. As the reader, I was totally like down for Catherine's journey until I was so embarrassed and mortified right along with her when Henry's like, hey, girl, what you doing in this hallway? How's it going? <laughs> we went too far. <laughs> I've gone too far. <laughs> I've gone too far. I just love the moment, like, she realizes, like, she's like, ooh, spooky lock. Wait, maybe I'm the one who accidentally locked the lock and then I can get into it. Oh, it was me. I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. (laughs) It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's Catherine. It's Catherine. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, overall... Loved this book. This was a great book for spooky season, too. It was was. just dark gothic, just watching a young girl be in her own head about what Mm -hmm. she's reading. And the like we said in the previous uh, or the part one of this, this is just an homage to literature, Mm -hmm. an homage to the good stories of old. Mm. It is. I loved it. It is. And it was funny. I found myself (sighs) laughing 
at this book more than I have at other books. Like I usually, I don't know, her other books, I usually am just left in shock. Like, you know, all of her characters, there's that element of sass that just leaves me utterly shocked. Like, I can't believe you just said that. Um, But Catherine is, she's not as witty as other Jane Austen heroine. We were talking about this. She has the Bella Swan problem. Yes, she's just totally the Bella Swan. She is just a normal girl in a normal world, living her normal life, and then... Mm -hmm. She is now immersed in this different head state, and all of a sudden, her world comes alive. Yes. And that's so fun. Totally. Ugh. Totally. Yes. So there's a lot more <gasps> cringe moments in this book, I, I really would say. Is. Like, why are you doing She's that? She's so close oh, no. and silly. She is. Uh, and there were just so many moments that I just had dog-eared and highlighted where it's like, it just, it's such an easy book to consume. Did you say how long was the audiobook? Oh, yeah. Today, the second half was three hours and 26 minutes. Yeah. So like less than My seven audio. hours for the whole mm-hmm. thing. It's just a really nice yeah. listen. It's an easy listen and it's uh, it has a nice laugh to it. It's it's approachable. It is approachable. It's casual and approachable. Yeah. And I can see why I can see Jane's writing style at the beginning and then it's so interesting to think about how she wrote that and then sense and sensibility and pride of pride just the order of things and the contrast between the books is just Mm -hmm. so interesting to me i agree i agree Ooh, well there's another one for the books that's right if you will yeah i will absolutely (laughs) and uh so we're gonna get started reading persuasion persuasion the last of jane's Fully published novels. Wow. I can't believe that we're on our last book, Morgan. Congratulations, all of our AbPod listeners who have been following along with us and just screaming into the void about all of the little moments that are tucked into the pages of these books. It's just outstanding. Mm. So, yeah, we'll be coming back with Book Nook in another four weeks. But next week, AbPod will be back with best buds we're gonna be talking about our plants plants yes so until then you know we can wrap this up yeah we gotta we gotta wrap it up uh everybody peace love during the scorpio season chillax and stay hydrated buddies we're wishing you love and abundance bye